0: Well, if you got your Bible today, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to finish up a series called Clean. Uh, this, uh, this series has been really revelatory uh, for me uh, because I've, I've done a little bit of research about um, uh, the soap industry and how obsessed we are in America with being clean. Um, I, I, did, I did a little research, and here's, here's what the research said. Um, that on average, this is average, depending on the size of your household, uh, for each person, you will spend approximately $90 per person in your household a year on soaps and detergents. Now, in my house, we have more girls than boys. So we're adding to the high side of that average. I don't know if you're like the you know, if you're like me too, you you you're just a, a couple days over forty. Um uh you're not supposed to giggle at that. Um Um, uh, you remember the days everything, you know, everything was a bar soap bar soap kind of fixed everything. Now the whole, the whole industry has just gone to like liquid soap, even the most manly man, you can hear them shouting out, honey, I'm out of body wash. Okay. Uh, you know, we're all, we're all into the liquid soap these days and we're buying more and more and more of it because we're obsessed with being clean. But I want to tell you that that is not a kind of clean that will actually satisfy. There's another kind of clean that only comes through Christ. And that is where he cleans you on the inside and he takes the old and it's removed and he gives you a brand new life. That's the kind of clean that every single human being is meant to experience. And I tell you, even on the outside, it feels good to be clean. Let me give you this one. This one's kind of free. Other people around you can tell when you're clean. Amen. <laughs> on the inside, that's what I was talking about, on the inside. <laughs> on the inside. And we started this journey on examining really what it means to be clean in Matthew chapter 8 by, by hearing a leper that approached Jesus that Jesus touched, and this is what the leper says, a great faith statement made by the leper to Jesus about Jesus. And He said this, you can make me clean. And I just, I just want to say from the very beginning today is that we need to become convinced again that Jesus is the only one that can make us clean. That regardless of our condition, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what we're facing, Jesus, you can make us clean. You can change our situation. You can change everything. We need that leper faith, that one that comes broken and leaves clean because he's convinced that Jesus can make him clean. Today, uh, we're going we're to go through a, a, a small portion in, in Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 14. I want to speak to you a message called, No Small Thing. No Small Thing. We're going to read this together, and I believe uh, that the Lord is going uh, to speak to us uh, today. Rome, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 14 says this, When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. We ask now that the Holy Spirit would be the loudest voice in this house. Speak to us through your word. Lord, grant to us revelation about who you are so that, Lord, we can see who you are making us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I titled this message, No Small Thing, because when you, when, you, when you look into this text, there are a lot of small things in this text. And um, uh, what you need to know is that uh, this whole scene in Matthew chapter 8 Begins to unfold in a place called Capernaum. Capernaum is actually on the Sea of Galilee. It's a little fishing community. And um, it's actually called the cradle of Christianity, the Genesis, the birthplace of Christianity. This is where Jesus really begins to initiate. His worldwide movement. It was the launching pad of Christianity. Now we know that there are lots of things that happened all over Israel, but this is the place where where he began to manifest miracles in a very special way. Now, Capernaum uh, has just, as a city, when it comes to the ministry of Jesus, just experienced the centurion's encounter with Jesus. So, Jesus comes into Capernaum. Now the Roman soldier who is overseeing security comes to him, and he says, listen, my servant is sick. Uh, Jesus said, I'll come and heal him. He says, no, just speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Listen, we spent all last week in a sermon on that. Go to calvary.online and listen to that message. I believe God will speak to you through it. Now, so Jesus said, as you have said, Let it be done for you. As you have said, let it be done for you. And so now, Capernaum is left with a little bit of hope. So they have some hope. Now, they haven't seen the servant. Uh, The centurion has to go back. So they have not seen a manifested miracle yet. God bless you. They haven't seen a manifested miracle yet. Now notice, right after uh, this scene with the centurion, Jesus then goes to Peter's house. And what Jesus did in that place, called Capernaum, is no small thing. I want you to look at three things today about this story that will apply to our lives. First thing you need to see about this passage in Matthew chapter 8 is that Jesus came. Verse 14 says, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. When Jesus came to Peter's house, as I read this passage, I couldn't help but think, if any of us would have actually allowed Jesus into the house. I'm like, oh, Jesus is saying, yeah, I'm going to head on over to your house. No, 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 no. My mother-in-law, <laughs> you don't want to be near her. Oh, no, not, no, she's sick. She's sick. You don't, you don't want to be close to her. Uh, uh, um, no. <clears throat> Jesus, um, My laundry pile on the couch. (laughs) Can't come in right now. Something going on in the house. And I want you to understand this. Jesus is not intimidated by the dysfunction in your house. He is not intimidated by the things that are out of order. It says Jesus just came in the house. He came in the house. And what I know is, is that there are really well-meaning people. I meet them all the time. I say, you know, I'm going to really live for Jesus, but i got to deal with this one thing. i got this brokenness. I've got this addiction. i got this alcoholism. I've got this anger issue. I'm going to deal with it. And then when I do, I'm going to open the door. I want you to understand something. Jesus is not intimidated by the dysfunction in your house. He is saying, listen, I'm coming in your house. I want to come in and don't don't try to clean it up. I'm the one that's coming to clean your house. I'm the one that's coming to make a difference to the dysfunction that's actually taking place. And I love this. Jesus loves to go up into dysfunctional houses. Jesus loved to visit dysfunctional houses. Mark chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Now it happened as he was dining at Levi's house. I could, I, let, me, let me just tell you. He's, he's, this, this man is a tax collector. And he's a Levite. Matthew is supposed to be setting the spiritual temperature for the whole nation as a Levite, totally dedicated to God. And he's collecting taxes for the enemy. You talk about Israel being in bad shape. And here, Jesus goes to Matthew's house, Levi's house. He says this, he was dining in Levi's house that many tax collectors and sinners also sat together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eating with the tax collectors and sinners, they said to his disciples, how is it that he eats and drinks with tax collectors? This is where I would have maybe made a joke. I'm like, this is how he does it. Simply verse 17, it says, when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do not wait on the improvement of your situation to invite Christ into your life. Do it in your brokenness. Do it in the dysfunction. Do it, listen, it doesn't matter if you wouldn't invite anybody else into your mess, open wide the door that Jesus is knocking on and invite him in invite him in he wants to come in I love this he's just left the scene he says I've never seen such great faith in Israel and he turns and he just heads right to Peter's house let me just give you a good word for all the people who are imperfect in here That should be all of us. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming near to you. Jesus is coming through the door. He's coming into your house, and he's going to set things in order. He's coming. You say, can I be sure? He's coming. He gave us this word to tell us today. He's coming. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming to your house. And look at your other neighbor and say, and you're dysfunctional. (laughs) Didn't that feel good? Some of y'all have been waiting a long time to tell them. You're just like, oh, oh." this is a freedom ministry just broke out in here. You're (laughs) confessing. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. If you need to know, what you need to know is, is that Jesus is coming. He is committed to coming into our brokenness. And you don't have to wait on opening the door. Let me, let me say it to you this way. The blessing of God follows our willingness to open the door to our lives. It doesn't precede it. We, we think, well, God will bless me if I get all this stuff and then I'll open the door and then I'll walk with him. I'll be the disciple. I'll be the person that evangelizes. I'll be the person that actually does all the things that he wants me to do. No, 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 no. You know, you got it way backwards. You're approaching God religiously instead of relationally. Don't approach him religiously. Approach him relationally. How do you do that? You open the door to a relationship with him and say, this is exactly who I am. This is exactly what's going on. And the blessing of God follows your willingness to open the door and let him bring the change. How many of you have found found much success with willpower in your life? Yeah, that would be zero. I want to encourage you, church. We all have to grow in this area. It is very easy to trust our own abilities. But God is getting us to a place where we will not be able to trust our willpower that we have to trust in his power. Why? Because what God wants to step you into is supernatural. What God wants to step you into will require something more than you can produce on your own. God's desire and dream for your life exceeds your ability to complete on your own. And if we will dare to dream with God, God will show up to dare to manifest that dream through our lives. But what do we do? How does it start? We open the door. And he comes through and he sees Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever. I love the second thing. The second thing is this. Jesus came and then second, Jesus touched. Verse 15 says, and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she got up and began to wait on him. Now, I want, I want you to understand uh, the smallness where all of this is happening. Back in February, I was actually in Israel, and I actually went to Peter's house. I want to show you what it looks like. Uh, Peter's house is actually the inside walls there, the very, very inside. Now, they've built up some of these outer walls to try to protect it, and, and, um, uh, but the inside walls, Peter's house and the opening to his house, can you see that Peter's house is a small house? It's a small house, very small house. And there was a small issue in a small house in a small town. He said, what was the small issue? His mother-in-law had a fever. Now, it's only a small issue because it was a woman who had a fever, If a man had a fever, we know that the scriptures would have said it was a terrible dark night. (laughs) Moaning could be heard from miles around. And everyone in Capernaum knew that that man had a fever. Y'all know what's happening. Y'all know how it is. I'm the same way. You get something like a fever. And for a man, it's a big issue. But this, for a woman, is a small issue. She had a fever. I want you to think about this. She had a fever. It doesn't say that she had 2,000 demons. It doesn't say that she was blind. It doesn't say that she couldn't walk. It just said... She had a fever. Now, uh, fever, according to most experts, is not an illness. It's not an illness. It's actually the body's response to actually fight, usually, an infection of some kind. It is the body actually doing what it's supposed to do to fight off whatever's going on inside. And eventually along with all of the other ways that God has made our bodies amazing, the fever will actually help heal the woman. So what is this about? I mean, if she's eventually going to get better anyway, what is this about? Here's what it's about. In a small place, a small thing, Jesus sees the small issue, and he is coming to accelerate her healing. She would probably get up maybe the next day, maybe the next, probably not. But he walks in and sees her in this small condition, and what he releases in that moment is an acceleration of her healing. Now, most of us, when we think about God handling situations that come up in our lives, we think about the big things. God, I got some big stuff, and this big stuff needs God to come and move. But I want you to know that God wants to move in the small areas of your life. And in those areas, to him, it's no small thing. See, she had a small problem that would eventually get better, but Jesus touched her to accelerate her healing. I think many people come into an environment like this. It's a healthy environment. You know, people are loving God and they're getting better and they're starting to grow. And He's starting to deliver people. And we're like, well, you know, all right, I'm 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 doing better than I was. You know, I'm not not where I need to be, but I'm doing a little bit better. And we're thinking, you know, we think, well, you know, I'm just I'm not going to step into what what God has for me yet. But you know, I, I I'm I'm here and I'm getting better and I'm just doing the natural process of healing. I just want to tell you, Jesus is coming to touch you to accelerate your healing. He wants you healed in your body, healed in your spirit, and healed in your mind, your will and emotions to accelerate you and to get you back into position. God loves to touch small areas. You You say, how do do I know? How How do I know that it was about accelerating her? Here's why. He touched her hand. I love how specific the scripture is. He comes in the room and touches her hand. What does a hand have to do with a fever? Here's the answer. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. But what does she do as soon as the fever Leaves her body. She gets up and she begins to serve him immediately. Her place, Peter's mother-in-law, was to live to serve God. But her small issue was keeping her from her assignment. So Jesus came in in a moment that she would have eventually gotten better. He comes in and touches her, accelerates the healing so she can step into her assignment. He didn't come touch her on the head. Everybody knows when you get a fever, your head starts to throb. He didn't touch her head. He wasn't addressing the fever. He was accelerating the healing so she could step into her assignment. And that's what you and I need to understand, is that when Jesus comes into our life and when Jesus touches us, he wants to touch the small areas. Because when he touches the small areas of your life, it is no small thing. It's no small thing for God to come and touch these areas. Why? Because it's no small thing for you to stand in the place that he has created you to stand in. It is not a small thing. Many don't pursue a supernatural intervention in their lives because they feel it's too small for God's attention. And I just want to declare to you, you don't have anything that's too small for God's touch. Matthew 6 and the great sermon on the mount, the, the moments that preceded this moment at Peter's house, Jesus said these words, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? The Scripture is saying, listen, don't Worry about the small things. God will even take care of the small things. He's he's saying, "Listen, listen, see how God feeds the birds. He takes care of the small details. And God wants to step into your life and touch the small areas. You say, why? Why does God want to touch the small areas? Why does he want to come in? And do those things. We'll find out as we continue to read. The third reason. The third thing we see in this passage is that many were brought. It says, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah He took up our infirmities and bore our sickness. What is the thing that spurred this moment? What is the thing that stirred this moment up? Now, we don't get all of the details, but she immediately got up and began to serve Jesus. That means in a natural way. That means I've been sick. I've been laying in the bed. Nobody's been able to go out and go down to the lakeside. I'm going to go down there and and I'm going to buy some. I'm going to get some fish and I'm going to get some vegetables and I'm going to start doing the things. And she must have walked down there to the lakeside and they said, "Oh, I thought you had a fever." Yeah, but Jesus came to my house and Jesus touched me. He touched you. What happened? The fever left. Can you believe it? You say Jesus' touch actually produces something miracle in your life. Yeah, it does. And he's at my house. He's right over here. And then she moves on. She must have said, hey, I see you're out and about. How are you doing that? Well, Jesus came to my house and he touched me. He touched me. He touched me. And then all of a sudden, all the people that saw Moses, uh, uh, Peter's mother-in-law walking around in health, they're getting the word and they start thinking about all the people that they know Jesus needs to touch. When evening came, all of these people were brought They were brought to Jesus. They were brought to Jesus. You see, small breakthroughs can lead to regional transformation. God came and healed her fever. And look at what happens next. Many were brought. Notice the progression. One welcomed Jesus, but many were brought to Jesus. One opened the doors of their home, and it led to many coming to him. Our faith to receive leads to increased faith to bring. You need to write that down. Our personal faith to receive leads to increased faith to bring. Here's what I mean by that. Other people, when they see the deep work of God in you, and even in the small areas, they say, you know what? I need to get some people who have some big things in their life to the feet of Jesus. I need to bring some people. Now, I've never personally done this. But could you with me for just one second imagine how difficult it must have been to bring someone who is demon-possessed to Jesus? I mean, have any of you ever had a conversation with someone who's demon-possessed? You probably have. And if you say you haven't, you might be that person. (laughs) I just have one thing to say. Come out! (laughs) Jesus' name. Um, uh, There's deliverance, all kinds of deliverance today. How do you get a demon-possessed person to Jesus? The, the closest thing I could think of in my own life is trying to drive a family of seven through a drive through <laughs> Now when my kids ask me, Dad, can you take us through the drive through I just pull into the parking lot and say, no, go in. You bother them. I'm not doing it. Not doing it. I cannot take your no bun, no mustard, add pickle thing. Give me a sauce on the side. Oh, by the way, at the window, could you add this drink? I'm not going through it. (laughs) I know the struggles of just trying to get just five children through a drive-through. I cannot imagine what it would have been like to have to try to bind, coerce, drag, get a demon-possessed person to Jesus. But you know why they did it? A fever left. A fever left. And I want to say to you, it is is God's desire to touch every small area in your life because he wants to do something bigger in the region. I want you to to look at this next picture. Um, This is a picture of the view from behind if you were looking at, at, at Peter's house, which now, because people venerate everything, they actually built a church over it. You could actually kind of see some of those things. They built a church over it, which is just weird. Okay, so there's a church over Peter's house. But when you turn around and take about 20 steps, this is what you see. This is the synagogue in Capernaum. Now, synagogues were uh, uh, basically kind of like the civic center of the community. That means that not only was it a place of worship, but it would have been a gathering place on days other than uh, from sundown on Friday uh, to, to, to sundown on Saturday, okay? So it would have been outside of the Sabbath. It would have been used for these community gatherings. Now, you guys could see that it was a small house that Peter had, a very small house, and, and uh, that, that small issue got healed in a small house, and now many are coming. Now, uh, uh, historians would say that what they would have done is they would have turned around and they would have walked to this place. Literally, it's, it's, it's only about 25 steps away from the house. And it would be at this synagogue where the demon possessed were bought, brought and those who were in need of healing came. Here's what I want you to see. A synagogue is not the temple It's not the place of sacrifice. It's not the place of all of the the pomp and circumstance. It's it's not that. It's a local church. It's it's, It's like the Old Testament version of the local church. They read the word there. They gather there. They love on one another. They do community there. And so the miracle that was released in Peter's house led to a revival that came through the local church, and I, I just I, I want you to see that so many people were brought; it had to be moved to the only place that could house that many people, to the equivalent of the local church. I I just want to ask you this: Would you allow God to come and touch the small things? So he could come and do a great thing in this place. Would you allow God to come and heal you and accelerate your healing and get you into your place so that he could release something regional? I believe that God wants to touch small things in small places. Let me just say it this way. I believe he wants to heal in small cities. I believe that that he is wanting to release a regional revival and a regional awakening in this place. But it starts with someone opening the door to Jesus. Someone who allows Jesus to come and touch us to accelerate our healing. And then say, God, I'm going to be a part of those who would bring others to you, who would share my testimony. Many were brought to Jesus, but why? Why were they brought to him? Why did this whole thing unfold? Verse 17 tells us. It says it this way This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and bore our disease. Now this is a quote from Isaiah 53. Isaiah penned these words some 700 years before Christ would ever walk the earth. There are more uh, details about the cross given in Isaiah's account of the cross than 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 there are in the Gospels, and we know that, and we can see that, and we have this quote from verse four. But I want I want to just kind of highlight some words to you. It says he took up our infirmities. That literally means our pain. This is talking about the pain associated with sin. This word took up in the Hebrew, it means to carry a heavy load. He's grabbing hold of the heavy load and he's lifting it. The way that he did as he carried the beam of the cross up the hill called Golgotha. He took the heavy load of sin and he lifted it. He says, why? Why was many people brought? Why did he do a miracle in the small so he could release something large? Why? Because he was showing that he could lift the heavy load of all humanity. That he could lift the heavy load of sin. That he was the one sent to lift it. And then this. Oh, this is so good. It says, and then he bore our diseases. This word is actually slightly different. This actually, uh, in the Hebrew, kind of paints the picture of wind picking up a leaf. It just does it with ease. It does it with ease. And so this word of bore our diseases, it means this. He does the heavy lifting of lifting Our pain associated with sickness, associated with sin. And then his spirit comes and just blows on every infirmity, every sickness. And it's an easy thing for God to heal those. It says here that he healed them all. He spoke a word and the people were delivered from the demons and he healed them all. Why? Because he was showing that the work on the cross was complete and that a move of his spirit was enough to heal the whole world. Listen, listen, I I, got to tell you, I got to tell you. This is not, these cards for Easter, this is not about us building a church. This is about us building a kingdom. It's a bunch of people who allowed Jesus to step in and to heal the small issues and allowed him to touch us so that we can go out and tell others that Jesus is on the move. Jesus is changing lives. He is saving. He is healing. He is filling with his spirit and so that many will be brought into the kingdom that's what we're believing for We don't want to just build a a, a big church. We want want the kingdom of God to expand in this area. And the reason he comes and he heals them all in this moment is so that all 145,000 people of Citrus County can know that there is healing enough for everyone. There's salvation enough for everyone. There is more than enough. And I believe that you and I should take advantage of what God is doing in this season. And that we need to bring many. You say, "What about the demon possessed?" Here's here's our commitment to you: bring the demon possessed. Jesus is the one that sets them free. Bring the sick. We we pray for the sick every single week. Bring the sick. Bring us the hurting. Bring us the ones. Here's why. Here's why we do food pantry every week because people go in one door of our buildings over there and they go in broken and they go in hurting. But then we see them walk through these doors, and then we see them walk these aisles, and Jesus heals them. He magnificently transforms them. He changes their lives. There is more than enough. The cross is more than enough. Jesus is more than enough. And we're, we need to keep on praying. We need to keep on reaching. We need to open our lives to let Jesus touch the small areas so that he can accelerate us into our healing so we can step into our place so more people can come to know Christ in this hour and in this day. I think we need to invite people Until the whole county is saying, You can make me clean. You can make me clean. You can make me clean. Every meth addict, you can make me clean. Every abuser, you can make me clean. Come on, every broken family, you can make me clean. Every forgotten child in this county, you can make me clean. They would turn their eyes to the one who sees their brokenness who sees who sees even the small areas you can make me clean